What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, here for the next in a series of 25 years episodes where we take a loving look back at Ravens history and some of the great players, the trends, the the uh, individual games, 
Uh, lots of things we're looking at today. We're looking at a, 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 a kind of a weird thing, an odd trend that Ozzie Newsom had in selecting cheap dime backs. And you've probably heard me talk about this occasionally before, but we're going to go into this in some detail. Joining me today to do this is Slava Cooperstein. How are you doing, Slava? I'm doing well, Ken. Good to be back. How are you? Great to have you back. Uh, I'm doing fine also. And talking about Dimebacks, how could I be anything but? My favorite position, probably. So, uh, But I want to let you kind of kind of set some of this up in terms of, of kind of how you did this or, or, or how you'd like to talk about it. And, and I'll fit in my comments around you. Sure. Um, so what I did was I uh, looked at uh, through the history of uh, some of the notable Dimebacks that we've uh, that we've had. I mean, we've uh, really been employing them since pretty much uh, the earliest days um, uh, of, of, of the Ravens' history, and 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 how we use them in some of the different uh, different styles of players that we had, uh, and some of the themes I think that will definitely come up is uh, how versatile uh, many of these players were, um, what kind of flexibility they gave us uh, on defense, and. Uh, how a lot of these guys were actually pretty accomplished uh, special teams players as well. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things they had in common certainly is that they're all very inexpensive players. Uh, Ozzie had a, had a kind of a maximum price of a sixth round draft pick he'd ever, he'd ever get for a dime back who was usually is also getting a core special teams player, but he liked the guy in, so, for some reason. And he's a, he's had a remarkable track record of picking safeties very well at, at that point. Uh, the other thing I'd say is a, organizational philosophy that kind of grew out of this or, or maybe, you know, it's hard to say which was the cause, chicken egg kind of thing, but but uh, it's, it's certainly an organizational philosophy to platoon at the weak side linebacker spot. And by doing so, uh, that weak side linebacker, your Mike linebacker, of course, in Ravens history has typically been one guy and, and until now where there's kind of a trouble kind of finding that one guy. Um, it's been Ray Lewis or it's been C.J. Mosley or for a while it was Smith, um, uh, Daryl Smith in the middle there. Uh, but, but they've usually had a guy um, who, who was the, the one they wanted on the field for all three downs. Uh, and he's usually a, a guy who had the green dot for most of that time, which certainly was the case with Mosley and Lewis for almost their entire careers. But at the will spot, they've looked to platoon those roles. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, we were certainly fortunate for uh, many years to sort of have a se- that seamless transition uh, from uh, Ray to CJ. Uh, but I think that that really makes, meaning Ray to Smith to CJ, but uh, I don't want to forget Daryl. Um, but uh, that, that really, I think, highlights how maybe the dime is even more important to us now than it's ever been uh, given uh, the trouble at linebacker and how, um, how, how this package can really uh, help us uh, with, with uh, some of the coverage issues that we've seen this year. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very important to like look at football in terms of the downs that are, that are most important, your high leverage downs, third downs, basically there's a lot of win probability in the pot, so to speak on third down in the NFL. And, and you have big swings in win probability that occur because of the third down play, less so on um, first down or second down. That's just the, the way the math of the game works. But uh, in, in terms of that will linebacker spot, you want a player who's very, very fit to the responsibilities on third down, very fit to the coverage responsibilities, the position. Uh, 
So oftentimes, your third best safety will be a much better coverage guy than your second best linebacker at doing that. And so the concept of a three-down linebacker, which used to, you know, stayed in football for a long time, was true for many years for most teams, that they would have two or even three guys who would play pretty much all three downs. Um, now it's really it, teams look to platoon at that position. And uh, in the salary cap era, one of the benefits is also economic. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you don't have to uh, overpay uh, now trying to look for, uh, you know, that unicorn linebacker, as you as you mentioned. And uh, <laughs> and you don't uh, and uh, more, more importantly, you don't have to pay for somebody you are hoping is going to be that guy. Yeah, I was I was hoping you would you would be the one to use that word. I, I use it all the time, of course. But uh, but that's great. Um, we we uh, you know not only is it you don't have to have the one player. You, you're not also at the same risk if that player gets hurt. You know the the individual specialists are much more replaceable. Uh, they're also certainly cheaper. You don't have to pay even three of them put together ten million dollars a year the way you'd have to pay a, a three down player that kind of money. So uh, without further ado, let's go into the Dimebacks themselves. Uh, we, I think we've talked enough about the philosophical component of this. Sure. Um, so the first guy I looked at was Ralph Staten. Uh, he was drafted uh, in 1997 out of Alabama. You've got the Aussie connection there. Um, and actually, I, I looking when I was looking back at him, I saw uh, an article that mentioned that Ozzy saw him playing linebacker uh, in in a high school all star game, which uh, didn't surprise me at all when I ended up uh, reviewing this guy's film. He was a little bit before uh, my my time as a fan, but uh, mm-hmm. but I mean, this guy was just absolutely massive, um, and he uh, uh, early on in his career he took over at strong safety after the veterans. Uh, St- I, is it? I'm not sure whether it was pronounced Stephen Moore or St- Stevon Moore. Stevon Moore, yeah. Stevon Moore was injured. Yeah, is Stevon Moore quite a hitter? Uh, it, certainly, that was the case also with Staten. Staten also had some ball skills. He had five interceptions in 25 games as a Raven, which is a big deal, and did get some starting play. He had two interceptions in one game, if I recall, during the 90. I'm not sure if it was in 97 or in 98 that that happened. Do you have that? Yeah, I think that might have been. Um, I'm, I'm, it might have been the uh, Seahawks game, which is one that I looked at closely. Um, um, he he played in the um, last. Uh, he was in. The, it was the last NFL game in Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Week 15 of the 1997 season versus the Seahawks. And just to uh, give uh, people sort of the flavor of the era that this was in, they had Warren Moon at, in at QB. Uh, the Seahawks did, mm-hmm. uh, who was who who got pulled in in in, in favor of Freeze. Uh, Carlester Crumpler at tight end, who was the older brother of Algie. Uh, it was Walter Jones' rookie season uh, at right tackle, which was a Hall of Fame career, and Kevin Mawai at center. Um, I always thought of him. I think he was Titans for a good chunk of his career. But uh, uh, but uh, so Staten got the start at strong safety, and um, late in the uh, late in the fourth quarter, uh, in uh, uh, he's in nickel, and um, two receivers go deep uh, on the right side on second and twenty five. And they're both covered well by the corners, and Staten is in position when Freeze overthrows the receiver on the inside, uh, trying to uh, place the ball over uh, the uh, one of the corners. Um, it was sort of a you know kind of an Ed Reed style interception, waiting for the overthrow. Um, and uh, and then in uh, an, another good play he had in that game was uh, two minutes and eight seconds left in the fourth quarter. 
the Seahawks were on their uh, seven yard line. And this time uh, it did appear to be in the dime package uh, with uh, four down linemen, Ray, of course, uh, in, in the mic position and uh, Deron Jenkins in the dime uh, uh, for uh, dime back for sharper. And, and McCray rushed up the middle um, and tipped the ball and Staten disengaged from the receiver. He was double covering and jumped almost looked like he jumped the route, uh, displaying really great ball awareness and uh, uh, got his second interception. So, you know, it, I, I believe this was the game that you were referencing, the two interceptions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of given given the absolute size and hitting ability of this guy, for him to have such good ball skills, you know, one, one interception every five-game average, yeah. um, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrific, I would say. That game, uh, you know, there's so many things about that game I remember. First of all, Kudos on getting that because that's a hard game to acquire uh, in terms of the the video from it. I don't know where you got it, but it, but it's a it's it was one of the ones that for my collection was one of the last I was able to pick up. So it's a it's a nice uh, uh, nice video certainly. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's uh, Michael McCrary also playing against his his former Seahawks time that that uh, that game and a nice win for the Ravens. Uh, you know, certainly that day. I'm going to move on to the next guy, and I'll just bring him up. Uh, Corey Harris, uh, probably one of the most well-known dime backs in Ravens history. He came to the Ravens in '98 as a free agent. It was a pretty decent contract at the time, maybe four years, two million or some such was the was the amount. So at the time, that was a decent contract. It wasn't a wasn't a tiny tiny contract, but it certainly wasn't a big contract either. Um, he was the member of that 2000 championship team. The first really great Ravens dime season was him in 2000. Um, he did it all. The Ravens played a lot of dime, approximately 400 snaps of dime and quarter combined, where he would have been on the field for all of those plays. Uh, big, powerful man um, in the middle of that defense. Uh, a lot of people think of that starting 11 as being on the field all the time. They weren't. Um, you know, they came off and, and they had the big guys off. They had, they had Jamie Sharper off a lot in 2000 uh, to make room for the fifth, sixth, and seventh defensive back. And the, uh, Marvin Lewis loved heavy DB packages back then, and, and Harris was certainly excellent. Harris was one, the only player who didn't return to the 2001 Ravens was um, Kim Herring, and Harris took his spot in 2001 at the strong safety position. That led to our next guy. Yeah, and uh, and uh, certainly um, Harris pops up all over the uh, the tape when you're uh, looking at all the special teams plays. Um uh, and he was a pretty good return guy, uh, which I think maybe gets uh, lost in the sauce with his, you know, 98, 965 yards and a touchdown total uh, with his returns. So um, pretty good. Um, uh, shall we move really, on to? Well, really well known Harris for the for the blocking really effectively two or three guys out of the play on the sideline on Jermaine Lewis's touchdown return in Super Bowl 35. That was a he really had a remarkable component of that play. You almost never see a player take two or three out on one play like that. And in fact, that the uh, in, in that season, the Jets at the Ravens, uh, which was a pretty crazy game, he mm-hmm. really was impactful um, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the kickoff coverage, and uh, he w- he threw a key block for Jermaine Lewis's uh, punt return touchdown right at the end of that. So uh, they definitely had a good synergy there. Um, so, uh, so the next uh, next guy that I looked at was Anthony Mitchell, who uh, had down as an undrafted free agent in uh, 2000. 
Um, and in fact, uh, uh, he was pretty consequential for us uh, because in the 2000 divisional game against the Titans, he was the uh, designated spy on the field goal unit with um, in, in the game with 12 minutes and 25 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, at this point, the game is tied 10 to 10. And Keith Washington uh, blocks, uh, makes his second field goal block of the game, and it lands in, uh, Corey, uh, in Anthony Mitchell's hands, and he takes mm-hmm. it, in fact, 90 yards to the house uh, with help from Corey Harris, who threw a, a key block. Yep. Uh, um, and, uh, and also uh, another aspect he had in the game was uh, for Ray, uh, Ray Lewis's game ceiling uh, pick six uh, in coverage on Eddie George. He's... Uh, Anthony Mitchell was in the dime package at safety, um, and Corey Harris is the dime back on that one. Um, uh, so he was, at, you know, absolutely a very key aspect of that game and getting us to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Kim Herring was hurt in that game, and that, and that was a. I was there that day, and I can just tell you that play. I I can I can watch it over and over again. Just puts me to sleep. It's like a it's like a wonderful memory that that'll that'll always put me to sleep. But. Um, it, on that play, and I've talked to Mitchell about it since personally, an autograph show, and he said that he wanted to return the first blocked kick, that it had rolled into the end zone, and 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 he wanted to return that. He wanted to go in and said, I can I can go pick that up and return it. And and Rod Woodson says, You better not, because you know that, that ball's like a punt when it crosses the line of scrimmage. And if you if you try and return it, then the ball is is uh um, uh, you, you know, is live and you could fumble it and other things can happen. So if you look at the actual play with 1225 to go, the, the, one of the biggest plays in Ravens history, in fact, the biggest before the mile high miracle, bigger than Ray's touchdown later that a lot of people want to remember. Four other Ravens are like giving him the safe side, meaning to leave that ball alone on the play and he circles under it, catches it in the air. And it's, it's a great credit to them that they immediately transitioned to blockers from their safe sides and, uh, and made good blocks to, to get Mitchell home pretty darn easily on that play. Only Frank Wycheck had a reasonable chance to make that tackle. But uh, it's interesting hearing the story from Mitchell afterwards and also really what happened and, and uh, uh, some, just some very fun stuff. I'll bring up the next guy. The next guy is one of my favorites, Chad Williams, a six-round draft pick in 2002. A lot of big plays for the Ravens. In fact, when Ed Reed had his big year in 2004 in terms of the return yardage, Mitchell was up there. He might have been second. He might have been third in the league in interception return yards, but uh, had a great year, over 150, 160 in interception return yards, including some big plays. He always seemed to be in the middle of these 90-plus yard plays that returns, block punts, all this kind of stuff, was a big contributor to the 2002 Ravens and again in the 2004 Ravens in terms of uh, uh, helping them towards a playoff run that ultimately in both cases didn't work out. Yeah, he was he was uh, pivotal, uh, pivotal in, in two very fun games from the 2004 season, which is a season that I absolutely love. Um, the uh, Week 7 game versus the Bills, um, uh, folks might remember that Deion Sanders was playing for us at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, with a minute and 37 left in the game, he completely, uh, uh, Williams completely sniffs out a screen pass and tips the ball up for Dion to run it back for six. This is a game where everybody was scoring, including BJ Sams. Um, and uh, and uh, he later, Williams later in that game had an interception and ran out of gas after about 90 yards. 
Um, he he turned and looked like he wanted to pass it to Ed Reed, uh, but it, Ed was sort of, I think, focused on making any any blocks that were necessary to, uh, to help uh, Williams uh, – basically get it into the end zone. I don't think he anticipated that William was, was going to run out of breath and uh, sort of get down there. Right. It was a, uh, yeah, terrific player. That, that The game you mentioned with the Dion interception against Buffalo was what later got made into a Burger King commercial. So that's the, that's the play, in fact, is is him running into the end zone as, as the Burger King. Um, and uh, something we kind of remember from that. Jerome Sapp came along 2003, round seven. Uh, he was reacquired from Indy later in his career when he really had his big year with the Ravens. That was 2006. Uh, special teams and defense. The 2006 team didn't play as much dime, but when they did, they were very effective with it. Uh, his highlight was a big sack of Michael Vick. That's right. Um, sort of uh, the, the way that kind of uh, play developed. And there's a great picture of Trevor Price clinging to Vick's jersey and mm-hmm. Sapp kind of laying the wood. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, the Ravens rushed six with Sapp at a dime back and, and Price got so much pressure up the middle. I mean, he completely blew the play up and he got, it was sort of the perfect storm of pressure up the middle that Vic you know, was tr- trying to turn any kind of way and had nowhere to go. And Sapp came in and finished the job. Um, um, he also had a couple of good, good highlight games that season like versus the Saints where he yes. would show show very good tackling ability to bring down a fullback in open space. He almost sacked Breeze up a rush to the middle, but in, instead he had the instinct to make a heads-up play and jump straight up to bat down a pass on a crucial third down when the Ravens were already up 14-0. Oh, this is great. You've, you've done a lot of research for this episode. I really appreciate this. It's a great trip down memory note because as you're saying these things, they, 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 they trigger a visual memory with me of these individual plays. And see, remembering Sapp playing against New Orleans that year was really special. He, he had, I want to say, he played about uh, 10 or 12 snaps in that game. And, and the Ravens defensive backs, Ronnie Prude had a big day uh, that game, I think with two interceptions, it was a, it was a, it was a cool day for the Ravens and a, and a cool day for their, uh, their, uh, end of their defensive back bench. Absolutely. Um, uh, so the, uh, the next guy I wanted to bring up was, uh, Haruki Nakamura, who was of course drafted in the same draft as Zibikowski, you know, kind of always think of one, you think of the other. Um, and, uh, he was a six round pick in 2008 and he played four years for the Ravens. Um, the, the game sort of that I highlighted for him was the 2010 uh, Ravens versus Pats uh, regular season game, which was an all time dirty game by Brandon Merriweather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, we'll all remember his head hunting ways. Um, and uh, uh, you know, he displayed some excellent punt coverage of Julian Edelman showing good burst and sure tackling ability uh, of, of, Edelman, who was a who was a pretty dangerous return man and uh, difficult to take down one on one, and uh, at the time Nakamura was in for Ed Reed uh, or in at a rotation for Ed Reed, who was still on the uh, pup list, um, and he was given a lot of responsibility in this game. He he, you know, on certain plays he was covering Gronk one on one. He had deep safety responsibility. He came up and run support and really um, displayed uh, a lot of versatility in that game. Um, and uh, I, I think his lone interception for us was in the 2010 playoffs versus Kansas City, um, where uh, he intercepted an overthrow from Castle. Um, um, that, that was tipped. Um, uh, 
uh, by the tight end. And Jamal Charles hits Nakamura right as he's trying to pitch it to Ed Reed. Ed begged for the pitch. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's clapping his hands and begging for the pitch. And, uh, and that proved to be a poor decision uh, because right as that was happening, Jamal Charles just came in there and, and fumbled it. But, you know, everything was uh, everything ended up OK in that game. Of course, we won. Yeah. It's one of one of the uh, few negative points in a game. I think they they held the the Chiefs to thirty nine plays that day. It might have been forty, but it's right around there. It's one of the lowest totals in Ravens history, and uh, it's just they they couldn't get the Ravens off the field, and the and the Ravens couldn't help but get them off the field about every few plays. So it's been was uh, was a lot of fun to watch that. Um, the next guy is is the greatest dime in Ravens history at this point, Anthony Levine. Anyway, um, uh, best year ever for a Ravens dime in 2018. Uh, it, it's interesting because his career has been very long, but a lot of that time he didn't really get to play dime because uh, it was something that Dean Pease did not really believe in. Dean Pease had a lot of fear of getting his dime defenders off for first down, which is, by the way, really letting the um, what is the appropriate analogy um tail wag the dog because because you're you're you know third down is the important down get your important players in make sure you win that down if you lose first down because of it okay i can live with that but it's really a bad uh, a bad choice i always thought for dean pease and he paid five years of only three percent dime defense uh before he finally uh got it together in his last year with the with the ravens as a coordinator in 2017 and played a lot of played a lot of dime yeah, uh, it's, it's, it seems pretty ridiculous given how uh, impactful Levine has been for us. Um, uh, uh, statistically, um, 2018 was his best year where he had eight passes defended, an interception, and 23 tackles. Um, and he had a massive game uh, against the Steelers in week four of 2018. Oh, yeah. He had an interception, four t- solo tackles, and three passes defended, which is mm-hmm. uh, really significant. That was three consecutive fourth-quarter drive-ending plays in that game for 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 uh, Levine, which is incredible. The very next week, they lost to the Browns twelve to nine, and he had another really big game. Uh, and then he and he came back with one bigger game later in the season that year. And I'm trying to remember who it was against, but uh, it, it, there was there was. Um, the people who are the people on Twitter that publish stats, uh, they have a show. It's in the morning on the football network. It's at a, it has Cosell and it's at a time that you can never watch it because you, you yeah, have it's to, escaping you have to, me. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, they, they put out statistics regularly and, and, and they had, it's the most, um, plays on third down. And it could be either a pass defense or an interception, which means basically it could be a pass defense or a sack or a quarterback hit. I think were the other two. And it, Levine had the most per snap of any NFL defender in 2018, which is remarkable, you know, that that, that would happen. But uh, that at that point was the greatest year ever by a Ravens dimeback. Now, it's I think it has since been surpassed, but uh, but we can talk about that next. And, and you know, I don't think it's any surprise, uh, uh, having watched Levine for these three years, that, uh, that, that he – owns that at this point given how he's never out of position he's he he always knows the assignment and he always executes um of course the next uh, uh the next player uh we're covering is chuck clark um who everyone uh if you don't know uh, if you didn't know about him uh <laughs> last year you, you certainly know about him now if you're a ravens fan uh 2017 six rounder out of virginia tech um in 2019 uh he was 
thrust into the starting role when uh, Tony Jefferson uh, was injured. And I, I, I think that Tony Jefferson is a very uh, talented player and a playmaker. I, I just don't think that he was a fit for what we were trying to do here on defense and didn't quite um, uh, fit relative to the other talent that we had on safety because, because before Tony Jefferson went out for the season, there was a, uh, there's a Kansas city game that Chuck Clark started in earlier. And even then you could see that the defense was completely transformed. People always talk about the binds and fort and the impact that they had on our defense that year. But uh, I, I would say that Chuck Clark had as, as big. Okay. I'll say more because, <laughs> and uh, let me go through this here just in a minute. So in, 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 if people can remember the beginning of the 2019 season, we started with uh, Owasso with, was the signal caller that lasted a half until Weddle had to take him from it after a disastrous first half uh, against Cincinnati. And then they, then they gave it back to Owasso and he held it back until for the next couple of weeks Played okay a, a, a couple of games, but he, he, you know, unfortunately, he's a fish out of water playing the mic spot. He really needed to be back in a platoon will role. And eventually, they did move him back to that when they got Bynes and Fort uh, for week four. But as as Jefferson got the dot for week that week four game against Cleveland, which was their their last loss of the regular season. And in halfway through the next game, he got hurt and he gave the green dot to Clark. Clark has not given it up to this day. So he's he, Wally pipped Jefferson very much uh, in terms of, of what he did. Uh, you know, Pip took Gehrig's spot for people who are less than 100 right now. Uh, but anyway, he, he uh, uh, played the role tremendously in 2019 at safety in general. But the big thing is the Ravens played the most dime ever, and he moved up to play that dime spot with you know two other safeties back. Uh, for 2019. So it's a lot of snaps. And and then even though Levine had had the greatest year ever for a dime safety in 2018, m- my feeling was that 2019 Chuck Clark was even better. So uh, r- remarkable player. And uh, and we're so lucky to have him as a six-round pick. Absolutely. I, he, he was so important to so many pivotal games in 2019. Uh, uh, you know, some of the biggest games that we had, including the, the one against the Seahawks, which really seemed to turn the turn the tide on uh, what we, how we were viewing the 2019 season and the conversation about Lamar as MVP. Um, uh, you know, I was rewatching the interception uh, that was thrown to Marcus Peters um, and they were in, in the dime package with uh, Earl uh, Thomas playing deep and Chuck Clark as, as the dime back. And it looks like the coverage from Clark and Earl on the tight end might've actually influenced the, um, uh, influenced uh, Russell Wilson to keep looking and toss you know toss it further deep than than in the middle. I you know it, it it's sort of a thing that's a little difficult to tell, but uh, but they definitely that option was not available to mm-hmm. um, uh, to Russell Wilson as he was scanning the field. Right, great great baiting on that play from Peters, man. I love that game. All these great visual memories you're bringing up of these individual plays. I love it, but. Uh, uh, Deshaun Elliott, a, a sixth-round draft pick in 2018. Uh, he's, of course, now our starting free safety, but uh, his initial playing time, you know, the little bit he got in his first two years was really as a dime back. They would bring him in, uh, play that will linebacker position, essentially on passing downs. Which And, you know, it's interesting because if you talk to Dean Pease and, and, he, and he's talking about the podium, he'll talk about Levine and say he's a linebacker, he's not a dime back. And, and I, I, you know, 
I'll say, well, he's a defensive back who's playing. Not, I wouldn't say this to him directly, by the way. I could be respectful about this, but but my I'm thinking, well, he's a safety who's playing, you know, in that wheel linebacker spot. So if it's quacking like a duck, then it's a dive back here. So right. uh, anyway, uh, Elliot, of course, uh, you, you saw the impact he had coming back last week. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the conversation, uh, you know, with Elliot really gets pretty much blown out of the water. Anything you want to say about him once you just look at what happened last week, um, he, he really um, is showing the promise uh, that, that uh, you know, all of us kind of saw in, in limited action, uh, saw, saw of him in limited action, you know, partially due to injury and um, uh, being further down the bench. But I, the way that he stabilized the defense, um, um, in, in, in last week's game, um, uh, being in position for that interception, which is, I think, a very difficult play to make because you have to be perfect in coverage. You have to really have an idea of where the ball is. It's not, it's not like Herbert really made a mistake in terms of accuracy overthrowing the guy. You know, that's, that's, one, that's one type of way to get an interception, and Ed Reed made a living off of that. But, but that was really sort of a keen sense of what was going on in the field. And uh, Elliot has sort of proven himself to be, to me, sort of a tone setter. Um, whereas, uh, whereas Chuck Clark is a very, uh, very disciplined, sure tackler, um, uh, and really never out of position. I, I think that Elliot kind of brings uh, a, a little bit more of that fear, uh, to, to opposing receivers and tight ends, uh, who are, who are going across the middle. Yeah, he's certainly a hitter, and and that's obviously it's it's a strength and it's a weakness in the sense that he doesn't he doesn't collect as many overthrows as Ed Reed did. Uh, in fact, he really is never looking for the overthrow, to be honest. And and uh, he's looking to close and to hit, and and uh, that has real value. And and I think you're right; it's a fear component uh, to be used against those receivers. Geno Stone, a guy who who we hoped would have action in the dime package. Now Geno's role is a little different. Uh, and what we would expect him to have, I mean, very lucky the Ravens are able to get him back, but that he might uh, be the back end, probably a split safety in a in a dime package where the Ravens are really trying to defend a third and long situation or a third and medium medium to long situation. And he's he's much more of the Reed style. We're not claiming he's at Reed, folks, but but that, that he collects overthrows as opposed to is a hitter and looks to looks to uh, hunt for bodies and hunt for legs and uh, up uh, closer into, into the box. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. He's a little bit more of the sort of, I, I feel like this type of safety that fans have been yearning for, um, um, uh, you know, once, once Ed Reed goes away, you, you always want the next Ed Reed. And again, of course, we're not comparing them, but as far as the play style uh, playing deep, you know, it's interesting, uh, uh, with with Deshaun Elliott um, either uh, you know so, sort of heading towards free agency, uh, it's interesting whether the Ravens are going to consider Stone as uh, sort of an option at free safety, um, sort of more of a natural rangy guy. Um, and given their history, uh, you know whether they prefer to have that guy uh, uh, versus what what they have going right now. 
Yeah, so Brandon Stevens, I guess a lot of people would say, is going to be the, the, the next likely free safety. He may have been drafted for that, given that he's a third-round pick. But that doesn't mean Stone won't have a role, and it could mean Chuck Clark returning to the box in dime situations, with or, or Stevens for that matter, because he's a, he's a big guy too, to, to be able to um, uh, have a three-safety dime that you can really trust. I, I always say this about Dimebacks, too. You, it's always nice to have an extra one because you, your safety rotation better be four to make three, given the risk at, at the position and the relative amount of injuries you get. I mean, as the last line of defense, they have to make some tackles. They have to make some awkward tackles sometimes. Sometimes they get run over by a big running back. But, uh, you know, sometimes they have to really stick their head and neck into a receiver. You know, there's a lot of risk at that position. So it's really nice to have four to four to fill three positions when you need it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the only thing we can say now is that uh, we're, we're very lucky uh, to, to have uh, the players that we have now. And they've seemed to Clark and Elliot have seemed to really stabilize the position for us. Uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, continue to have a deep bench like we've had throughout the Ravens history. So before we before we check out here, do you think there's a reasonable chance that they'll resign Elliot given all their other priorities this offseason? You know, before uh, before I really didn't think so, um, but I, you know, when you, when you see a game like the Chargers um, uh, game last week, you have to think that they're going to at least try to make a, a sort of a Ravens type offer where it's you know we're respecting your ability, but you're going to have to value getting to play here, mm-hmm. uh, or else you'll see what life is like. You know, go ask Justin Houston what life is like elsewhere in the NFL. That that sort of uh, offer. So I, I think they'll try to keep him whether they can, that, that remains to be seen. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they have a number of free agents and they're going to put competitive offers on the table. When I say this low end of competitive offers on the table for Bradley Bozeman, for Elliot and for, um, who's the one I'm forgetting. Who's, uh, who's, uh, Averitt. But I don't, I, you know, they've already signed uh, Andrews from that draft. Lamar's not going anywhere, so we know he's getting signed. It will, will not nece- 100% necessarily be this offseason. There is a good chance, but, but it's not a 100% chance. If they decide they want to stretch it out a little longer, they'll have a little more money to spend after the season. And they do need to fi- figure out uh, a defensive lineman in particular. I think they're going to have to bring in from the outside, and they're going to have to get their tackle situation obviously fixed with probably, right. uh, you know, a high-round draft pick. Do you, do you think it's a zero chance that Calais comes back? If he did, it would be on a very different contract, you know, one year, six million kind of thing. I don't, I don't think at his age you really go out and sign him for, you know, two years, 20 million or something. I just don't see that as being right. a, a reasonable possibility. They could, you know, they could, they could sign a two-year deal that's under the, uh, a one-year deal that's under the guise of a two-year deal. So they, so they, it's really a, you know, uh, eight million for one year and six more million for the next year, kind of thing. That, that's a possibility, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's been great this year. It's really hard to say no to it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Slava, such such fun having to how to do this with you, guys. This I, not only is this exactly what I want. I really enjoyed having this discussion because Slava went back and looked at a lot of this video and whatnot. It has evoked visual memories that I just really enjoy. Appreciate doing this to you. Obviously we went a little long. One of my favorite topics, obviously, in addition to, to yours. Thanks for thanks for doing this with us. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Uh, sure. Uh, um, I'm on Twitter at, at Slava Cooperstein. That's like lava with an S in front of it. And uh, last name's K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. 
All right. Terrific, Slava. Thanks for coming on. Folks, if you want to do a 25 years episode, uh, one of these loving lookbacks at Ravens history, we want to have as much diversity as possible in here of viewpoint, of topic, of games, whatever you'd like to discuss. But hit me up on Twitter with a DM and we'll talk about it and, and try and get you on real soon. Uh, Slava, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.